Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion for our last episode in January. I know it's been a long month for you all and I hope you are keeping safe and well. Today we are back in the pavilion with the dentist, John the Dentist Maynard from Nevis in the Caribbean. John liked batsmen to smell the leather in the 1990s and set the cricket world alight when he played against Michael Atherton's England touring side of 1994. Nowadays, John is getting his teeth into the relaunch of Newmarket Cricket Club, the home of the Stampede at the Severals in Newmarket. Newmarket are due to be playing in the Cambridgeshire and Huntingdonshire Premier League Division 2 when the season gets underway at the beginning of May. For regular listeners of the paddock and the pavilion, I would like to thank those of you who have kindly supported Park Lane Stables' campaign, which currently stands at 220,000. Do share the story with your friends, as it's such a worthy cause. But now back to the dentist, who is much easier to interview than to face from 22 yards. Enjoy today's podcast. Hello, John. Welcome to the paddock and the pavilion. Good afternoon to you, and extremely grateful for you having me and such a special program. Well, thank you very much. How have you been during the, the, the third UK lockdown? Well, I would say just like most people, you know, just don't overthink, have fun indoors, enjoy a bit of cooking and some music. That are, that are always going to take me through. So you've kept busy. I know you are now based in Suffolk, but what, was the, uh, what brought you to Suffolk? It's a pretty good, interesting question. Brought me to Suffolk was I was coaching, which I still do coach for Northampton County. And I remember speaking to a friend of mine who asked me to come and help some bowlers here. Then I ventured to Suffolk where I was coming here like on Saturdays. And they kept saying, man, you know what? They enjoy the coaching and stuff like that. Why don't they stick around and play for them? Which they convinced me, and as they say, the rest is history. And you're still here. But the, the first question I've got to ask you, I mean, I, I actually do know some of the answer, but you're called John the Dentist Maynard, but from the horse's mouth, can you tell us why you were called John the Dentist Maynard? Oh, wow. Well. well, it's a cricketing story. It's not actually dentistry as I went to college, in that college. I went to a different college. 
at Cricketon College. So we played cricket in the Leeward Islands. So we were in an inter-islands cricket game. My national team is Nevis, where I'm from. So we played Antigua, who was then, I would say, the best team in, in the Leeward Islands at that particular time. And there was an, an individual who was touted to be a future West Indies player and possible captain. And I think he, during the game, he was batting quite well, but he nicked one behind and didn't walk. So the next ball was a couple of yards quicker. <laughs> and he, he shaped for the hook shot and the rest wasn't, wasn't pretty. So the name started from there. Ah, right. When someone said, man, you went to Antigua to play cricket. Instead, you play cricket. You're, you went up and practiced to be a dentist. So <laughs> hence the name started. Well, it's everywhere now, isn't it? John the Dentist may yep. not. Now, you were born in Nevis in the late, very late 60s, we'll say that. Yeah. How big an island is Nevis? Well, it's not big. It's 36 square miles, which is, I'm sure, I'm not sure the size of Berry, where I'm living. But in terms of population size, it's, it, the population is so small. We got 16,000 people living there. Oh, as oh, small as that, right. 16,000 people, but the quality there is marvelous. And like the, for 16,000 people, probably per capita in the world, we produce the most international cricketers per capita in the world. So 16,000 people, and we already had probably eight international cricketers for the West Indies. So when did, you when did you first start playing cricket? First started, uh, obviously you got your like the schoolboy stuff at school. Then you, you advance up to junior cricket, which I would say probably 80, probably about 80, 1980, schoolboy stuff. Then you graduated up to the high, because then we had, we didn't have like age group cricket. So apart from one, one under-19 tournament. So if you're 14 years and you're good enough, you can make the under-19 team. Or if you're 19 years, you can still play with somebody who's 14 years old. It's all about how good you be as a, as a cricketer. And were you always a bowler as well? No, I was a batsman first, open batsman, which I... I still fancy myself to be a pretty good batter, you know, <laughs> like all bowlers do. Yeah. But I was an open batter. And like just school cricket and club cricket, always looked good, quite technical. I was always one of them kind of players who easy on the eyes, but never score runs. <laughs> so my club captain then, he, he had some opening bowlers who were very terrifying in the nets but in the games I think they were quite ordinary then we played one game and he said man I'm gonna drop you but to keep you in the team you have to bowl so I started bowling in club cricket just like oh, that right. now just moving forward a few years to your first class cricket career and your first game against Trinidad in February 1992 you got four wickets in the first innings 
the team won by an innings. What do you recall about your first game? First game, we played Trinidad in Warner Park, St. Kitts. And I remember it was, it was nice for a lot of regards in terms of the comfort zone of playing in St. Kitts, which is just across the road from Nevis. So you, I would have got quite a bit of supporters from, from Nevis who just catch a boat and come over to St. Kitts to watch a game, or my friends who live in the St. Kitts. So the crowd support was important at that time as well for any young player. And then playing in the game, I think Ambrose, I think a few of the Windies boys wasn't tour at the time. So that was, my, that was an opportunity to get a game. And I remember we played, um, I don't remember a lot to play for Trinidad then. I remember Tony Gray, he played. David Williams, he played. Uh, Rajinder Danraj, he would have played that game. Phil Simmons, possible? I'm not sure. But it was a flat deck at Warner Park, I think it's. And you know, you're young and exciting and want to impress. So you just got to run in and try the ball quickly. And Tony Gray at the time, he was sort of in between the West Indies, the West Indies team, in and out. And he was also playing county cricket at the time for... He played for Surrey, didn't he? For Surrey at the time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go play. And I'm not going to... I'm nobody going to outball me. And nobody going to bowl as quick as me. So that was just my, just my thing at the time, you know? A couple of years I, after that, you're, you're very famous for playing two games against the England touring side. Uh, one for St. Kitts and Nevis and one for the Leeward Islands. Uh, yeah. And in those games, you got Mike Atherton, Nasser Hussain, Matthew Maynard, Alex Stewart, Graham Thorpe, Graham Hick and, and Mark Ramprakash out in those two games. That must have been a real highlight for you. Well, it was and it wasn't for... Okay, when I say wasn't... Okay, let me explain. There, were, there was. There was because you're playing against an international team with a lot of big players. Mm. So that's the clearing part. There wasn't, I would have bowled to like the greats back home. So you, I would have played games with like Viv Richards and Richardson. So you're accustomed to bowl to that caliber player. And then even that time, I would have already had my first couple of seasons in England where I would have bowled to, I was based in Leicester. So every, two, every county that would have come to Leicester, I would have got a chance to bowl at most of the teams. So right. I would have known like your Matthew Maynard and Ramps. And I would have known all them guys from their time coming to Leicester, coming to Grace Road. But it was nice on that stage playing against England where you could uh, showcase your skills against uh, a properly prepared international team. So that feeling was good still. And were you close at that time to getting selected for the full West Indian side? Yes. Well, I would say throughout my, even before I started to play first-class cricket, before I bowled one ball in first-class cricket, my name was always the next cricketer who's going to play for West Indies. So I played, I played against a touring MCC team before I played first-class cricket. And I done 
I done pretty good against them. And leading up to the first class season the next year, they like the papers and the magazines, the right all the rights up, all the ups, and they were talking about like the the you have like your five cricketers to look for. Yep. So I pretty much was like the the one fast bowler that that they all thought would have been that one bowler who's going to break you. So I'm always been pretty close to the, from start until I finish, my name has always been like there and thereabouts. Because at that time, when England were touring in 94, the um, opening attack for the West Indies was Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Kenny, or the two Benjamins. The two Benjamins, yeah. Yeah. So, and they, they beat England 3-1 in that series when England were bowled out for, we'll try and forget, 46 um, mm-hmm. in one test. Uh, do you think if you had come from, say, Barbados, you'd have had a better chance of getting selected? Well, I would say certainly yes. And my closest chance probably was, I think, 96, when India toured the Caribbean. We, I think Mal- Malcolm Marshall, he was the coach at the time, so they all checked my fitness and bowling and stuff like that. And everything was, I was firing on all cylinders really good. Then the first, I probably was going to play maybe one or two first class games before, before the first test game. And the, the start of the season, we started, we played Jamaica. And I got injured the first game. And that sort of knocked me back for quite a while. And... They then went for Franklin Rose. Then I think, I think shortly around that time, possible Nixon McLean or Cameron Coffey might have get a game here and there. And Otis Gibson, he would have get a game here and there as well. But at the time, the start of before India get to the Caribbean, I was pretty much like the, the front runner who would have played. Well, you played your last first-class game for the Wood Islands in 1999. Did you retire because of injury? I didn't. It's pretty much Caribbean politics. And, and when it's a Caribbean, it's like every island got their, own, got their own politics. So the Leeward Island politics is no different than none of the others. So I played that season. I think I probably got the most wickets as a fast bowler or the second most from just a few games. Then the... The selectors in and who were then Antiguans, they said, well, it might be better for them to look at somebody younger. And I was about 20, 28 or 29 at the time. And they were talking about young. So I thought, you know what? Uh, it's easier just to carry on playing club cricket. If they call me, they call me, which they didn't call me. So then I went back and played. Uh, in the Stanford T20, the Caribbean T20. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you came back at 37, didn't you, in the T20? And when I come back at 37, I was still bowling the pace as Tina Bess and Fidel Edwards at the same time. So then they started asking, well, why did I stop play? Uh, that kind of stuff. And I said, I, wasn't, I didn't stop play. I was pushed aside for political reasons. Then there was a conversation where they had with the West Indies selectors and stuff like that. Like, should they look at picking me at age 37, even just to play one day cricket? But then that didn't materialize. So 
it's all yeah, this, nice little history, you know. Yeah. Well, this T Twenty Stanford tournament, um, Nevis got to the semi-finals and uh, lost to Trinidad. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed Kieran Pollard liked um, liked the uh, Nevis attack that day. He actually did, you know. You know, it's it's sort of funny. We were the smallest nation because every island in the Caribbean entered their own team. And we're the smallest nation that took part in that competition. And we were the one little island that none of the team wanted to play it against or wanted to have in their job. Because we had, um, we had some reputable players who were in the first class setup at the time. And like I say, I was 37 at the time. But I, I had a couple of points to prove. And, you know, you work on your fitness. You try to be as fit as you could because the aim is to compete and to win. Then we had a lot of good batters and good young players. So we, we played a couple of games. Uh, we played Sinkits, which we beat quite easily. We played Antigua, which they had a good team as well, with a couple of the Test Boys, which we beat them quite easily. Then we had a break. We had a break in that maybe for about a month. Then we come back and play Trinidad. Had we carry on without that break, I've got a feeling we would have been we would have been better. Like the run that we had was going so well. We'd have been on a on a better continuous part rather than having that break. Because we had that break and I thought we kind of let our game slip with overconfidence. Then we get into the game. We started well, but then we we run into a new new kid on the block who nobody never heard about, Kieran Pollard. And he he destroyed our team. He had a liking for our bowling. <laughs> so I would say the world probably see Kieran Pollard because we started him off. Well, in the first match, you got four for nine and you were man of the match. Would you have liked to have played franchise cricket? Oh, gosh, I would have loved to. I wanted to at the time. At the time, I think there was CPL taking part in India. And there was a gentleman who had a conversation with me after this, the Stanford, but that didn't materialize into anything as the CPL, I think, had some legal issues. And I think they went, they went out of business sh- mm. shortly after, yeah. where IPL was the one that take over. But I would have, I would have loved to play franchise cricket. You know, obviously the rewards are massive, but the cricket, the cricket is good as well. You know. Well, when did you first come to England? Just we're sort of going back a bit, but uh, just changing tack. Yep. To play cricket. First come to, first come to England, nineteen ninety one. It's either ninety one or ninety two, I think. I. Uh, yeah, 91 or 92, something like that. I played against, like I said, mentioned earlier, I played against a touring MCC team, and I done really good against them. And Nick Cook, the former England left-arm spinner. Leicestershire, yeah. Yeah, North he Hans, was on the yeah. tour as well. And their overseas player was a colleague of mine who I think for, I think he would have left he was scheduled to play for them, but he would have, he would have moved 
leave them with one month to find a player. Then when I played against the MCC, Nick Cook asked me if I would like to come to England. And I thought, hey, why not? So I would have come to Nick with the recommendation of Nick Cook. So where have you played in England? I know, you, I know you've played for Camden in Cambridgeshire. You played a game for Norfolk. And you're also tied up with Northampton. I think I played everywhere in England, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So I first come to England, played in Leicester. Then the following season, I played in Norfolk. Norfolk. I probably had three seasons in Norfolk. Then I left, I left Norfolk and went to Bradford, in the Bradford League. Right, yeah. Then I left the Bradford League after, come back south in, in the Essex League. So you've moved seasons. about a lot. Yeah, yeah. Then I left the Essex League and went to the Yorkshire League. Then I left the Yorkshire League and went to the Northampton League. Then I moved from the Northampton League, went to the Cambridge League. Yeah. Uh, then I went back to the Northampton League again. Then I had okay. a season or two. Now I had a season. I went back to the Kent League, the Essex League after. Then I had a season in the Kent League. Wow. Had a season in the Middlesex League. Oh, you must know the UK well anyway, so. Oh, God. I know the UK like the back of my hands. <laughs> I know when you played at played in Norfolk, you did have a Nat West Trophy game for Norfolk, um, and you got Graham Hick out as well. Yeah, that was a very interesting game, really. That was the same. That was I think ninety four or ninety five. I think it's ninety four. I, I think yeah, ninety four. So yeah. I would have played against Hick uh, in the Caribbean for England, and I would have. I think I got him out twice or uh, once, but but them times in the Caribbean. We always, we heard about Hick and all the runs that he scored for in England. But truth is, nobody in the Caribbean think, think about Graham Hick as any good, good player. We never rate him in the Caribbean. So we always know he's somebody who could bat English bowlers. Because English bowlers tend to pitch the ball up a lot. And he, obviously, he must be a very good front foot, front foot player. So the then captain... Well, we played him in the Caribbean and it was all the short stuff and we get him out quite easily. So when we're here, I was playing like the club stuff in Norfolk. The then captain was David Thomas and he asked me if I wanted to play um, that Natwest game against Worcester. And I said, of course, if you want me to play, of course I would play. But then some of the elders on the association, like board members, they were reluctant and all kind of thing. And David said, look, he's playing to win the game. If he can't get his team, then what's the point? So I said, man, if you want me to play, I'm going to play. And we played that game at Lakin, Lakin Heath, I think, or Lakenham. Yeah, somewhere wherever mm. Norfolk home ground is. Mm. We batted, you know, we batted steadily. Cause they, they had a pretty good team. They had, um, they had all their big players. Like, Tim Curtis, Tom Moody, Graham Hick, David Letterdale. I think Stephen Rhodes keeping wicket. Stephen um, Rhodes, Radford, Newport, Ray, Richard Illingworth, 
So they had like a star-studded team. Then uh, whatever we got, I think we got 100 plus. And I thought, man, if we're going to win this game, I've got to be the one to win the game for them. And I thought, for me to win the game, I need to get Tim Curtis, Tom Moody, and Graham Hick. We, I didn't manage to get Curtis. We jumped him a couple of times in the earlies, in the slips. Then I, someone got a wicket. And David, I think, um, Graham Hick batted number three. And David Thomas at the time, he said, man, nobody comes to see the other guy's ball. They come to see a contest with you and Hick. I said, but come on, man. The bowler who was on just got a wicket. That would look quite selfish or quite bad to take him off. He said, well, you know what? If you take him off and he don't want to bowl again, who cares? We want to see a ball to Hick. So I thought, okay. And it was a pretty good crowd as well, you know. And everybody was exciting to see a little battle. So I thought, you know what? It's going to be a nice little contest now. So we had a battle. It didn't last long. It lasted probably four balls. But it was a, it was a contest that I know was exciting in the sense that, you know, it was aggression, some short balls, and... and at that at then times, West Indians generally don't really we don't really speak to batters really. When you bowl quick, the ball should do the talking for you. Yeah, that's not, so not it was the a, way, is it? The West Indian way. Yep, it was a couple of bumpers and then some eyeballing and stuff like that. And I could kind of see, maybe not fear, but I could see that he was scared, you know. And then I knock him over quite easily. Then. Tom Moody was the next batsman coming. And you could also tell when batsmen are like, have a little bit of fear factor about them. So he was practicing his, he was practicing ducking and that kind of stuff without him facing a ball. And I thought, you know what? This is going to be an easy wicket as well, you know? So we had them, we had them reeling. But like I say, you know, their experience and their skill overpower a minor county team. So Tim Curtis, he stick around and I think he scored maybe 60-odd, 70-odd, whatever. That would have set the game up quite well. And I remember David, David Letterdale, he, he come to the end and knocked the winning runs off. But that was a very nice contest with, with Graham Hick, you know. Well, now you're at Newmarket, um, home of the Stampede. Yep. How did that come about? Well, I got here my first season. And I remember we were talking, me and Frank Stennett, who Frank is from um, Frank is from Berry, and he's so passionate about cricket, you know. Then he was looking around and thinking, man, he always want to farm a club and help others play, but also help others. And pretty much all the teams in Suffolk had stuff going on. And then Newmarket was pretty much like a, was a club that would have disbanded. And I think he did investigations as to why they were disbanded and that kind of stuff. Then he started thinking, you know what, why not let's look at trying to revive the cricket again in, in Newmarket, which he, he went and had some, some discussions with the, with, 
with people there in terms of like getting the grounds and getting people back playing cricket again. And then I think late, late last year, everything come into fruition where he get the green light. And then it's all, you know what? Why not let's make it happen? Because Newmarket is pretty big as well. I think it's one of the bigger areas around here. And for them not to have a cricket club, I think it's madness. So you look at probably 20, 25,000 people living in Newmarket. Mm. So when they want to play cricket, they shouldn't have to go elsewhere just, have, just because they could find cricket. Then because the opportunity looks so, so exciting, I thought, you know what? This is like perfect. So hence the new market project comes along. And I thought if we could do something special for bringing back cricket in the area, that in itself would be a very good thing. Along the way, if we could find someone who end up play for the county, play for the country, that would be even better still. Well, it's hard to believe with the weather we've had recently, but the fixtures for the 2021 season are, are just out. What are your hopes yeah. for the season? Well, ideally, the plan is to win. There's no two ways about it. My hopes is we can get, we can get a team together. We could gel nicely. We could have fun. And winning even bring more fun. So the plan is to get out there, play cricket, win our division and get promotion. And are you still going to play yourself? I still enjoy playing. You know, even at my, my ripe old age of 51, I still enjoy fitness. I still enjoy running in. I still enjoy a contest. I still enjoy it, you know? So, yeah, I'm going to play still. And um, as I said to you before we came on the show... Um, I spoke to a friend of mine who you know well, Joe Grant, and the thing he yeah. said to me, will John still be um, knocking people's heads off? Well, what I would say to that, I still have the mind to do it because once you're a fast bowler, that mentality stays with you. Would I be able to do it? Left to be seen. But one thing for sure, it's not, whatever happened, I would always try to give my best. And if mean letting them smell a couple, letting them see a couple of balls at their face, then hey, it's part of the game. Well, Joe will be good, pleased to hear that. Um, <laughs> how did people join the club and, and support the club? Um, well, I think at the moment, we've got like a website up and running. Plus, we've got like a lot of different social media platforms where you can get in touch. I think via the the social media platforms or the club website. And I think those are the avenues at the moment because, well, yeah, these are the avenues. The club website respond to the social media requests and stuff like that, maybe with numbers. I think there might be a couple of numbers on, online as well. So these are the, the, the sort of avenues that one could get to join the club. Good. I'll put those on my page and on our t my Twitter and Facebook page as well. Yeah. Just going back to your cricket career, who would be the best batsman you actually bowled to? Uh, best batsman. Okay, in a, I would say Desmond Haynes. Obviously, I would have bowled to Viv Richards, but in practice, and it was a contest, but it was a, 
it was a young, a very young John Maynard versus a, a older Viv Richards. So it wasn't a contest contest. But I would say cricket in, in, a, in a game sense, I would say Desmond Haynes is pretty much the best I bowl to. Right. Oh. There were some players who were very difficult to bowl at. I saw Rampakash. I always rate him because technically he's really good. Mm. So Ramps and Alex Stewart, I rate them a lot as players that I bowl to in games which are pretty close to the Desmond Haynes kind of caliber. Oh, thanks for that. What about your thoughts as we draw into a close now on West Indies cricket at the moment? As a West Indian, it's, it's quite depressing to see, to see the way we, we move from being world beaters to the world beating us now. I, I look at our system back home. In my time playing, we never had the system that we had now. We never had retainers. We never had academies and stuff like that. Now, with all the programs in place, I find it very difficult to wonder what's going on because we got full professionals now, but yet still our cricket has looked every every year the standard is keep the standard keep going down. So it's very depressing to watch. And I'm hopeful that that maybe the coaches back home sort of up the game some more and possible try to include like the the former players as mentors along with them because I gather a lot of the players now. Mentorship is a problem that lacking. The skill work is not great, I must admit. But if you got good mentorship as to how to go about your business in terms of how do you handle certain situations, how do you handle certain bowlers, you kind of pick the bowler who you feel that you could target as to score runs against. How do you handle maybe a, a cheeky passenger play where you might just need to hang in there and just wait for maybe another half an hour before you could be a little more expansive? So I sort of feel that mentors, mentorship is something that our cricket really need to kind of get back. So if you could merge the modern-day coaches with the young, with the energy, their modern thinking, and you match... You bring the elders with them. I feel that's the way that we could help get our cricket back to somewhere up to credibility and world standard. Because at the moment, we are as poor as... I would find it very difficult for this West Indies team to beat a good club team right now. Well, certainly the world of cricket could do with a strong West Indian side as you know the uh, late 70s, 1980s and 1990s. Well, I know there are some good cricketers back home. There's one that I work with quite a bit in the last, one that I used to work with from junior cricket up to adults. He went down and played for West Indies. Then he, he would have get job and followed the love for the game, come back in the game. And I did quite a bit of work with him for the last two years. Kyron Powell, a left-hand open batter. Right. Which I, I did a lot of work with him last 2019 here in the UK. Went back home, he scored a lot of runs, hungry to play. Politically, they didn't pick him back. And I did some work with him again just before the lockdown. So hopefully, he could go back home, score a lot of runs, 
and get back in the team. He's still a young man, 30, 31, 32, and he's a proper batsman. So if we can get proper batsmen back in the team with Powell, if we can, like Brathwaite, if he can rediscover his confidence and form, if Shehope can come back a better player after having a break, if Darren Bravo could rediscover his passion, then I'm sure we're going to have a core group of probably five batters that we could alter and build around them with younger ones. Because the bowling isn't the problem. The batting. Hmm. We, we can't really compete with anybody these days. We, we play Bangladesh, who normally, you could have sent a B team from the West Indies to tour Bangladesh, and we would have rolled them over easily. Now, Bangladesh have the luxury of even putting out a second string team against us and still beat us quite easily, you know? So we really need to get back together, but we need to regroup and use our resources, which is our knowledge, along with the younger coaches. Well, let's hope so. And on, on the positive side, we should never forget that the West Indies came across to England last year in the middle of a pandemic to help out the English cricket board. Well, you know what? That was such a great gesture from and bravery in terms of the individuals to come out here in the first place. Because it's, it's not easy. Like, when you talk to friends back home, they always wonder, like, man, England is in such a dangerous place at the moment with the pandemic. Would the cricket played? Would the guys be safe? So I thought that was a bravery from the guys to come in the first place. So the ECB, I'm sure, owe them a debt of gratitude for that gesture. And so too is the Bangladesh cricket board because I don't think they played, they probably would have played a local T20 tournament, but the West Indies is the first international team that went back and toured Bangladesh. I think we probably would have been the first that went and toured New Zealand. So we would have done our duties in helping other boards. So I'm hopeful that the other boards would look at it and think, you know what, are there any way possible we can help the West Indies cricket? Not that nobody want to help nobody to win, because I would be stupid to, to try to, to show you how to beat me. But I think we just... We need some guidance somewhere along the line. And maybe, maybe a way forward would be for international boards to have dialogues with, with the West Indies boards as to possible why they think the, the Windies system or structure has been a failure and to what other boards are doing to just keep getting better and better. So I think maybe that dialogue might be something wor worthy of as to because world cricket need a, you need a strong West Indies team. Definitely. Yeah. For world cricket. Uh, they're entertainers. They're trailblazers. They got a lot for cricket. But we need them back to be a force rather than just turning up to games. And before, the, before you sit down to have a coffee, the game is over. We don't want that in world cricket. We need to, be, we need to see competitive cricket. Look at the Australian series just gone. That was very competitive. We need West Indies to be playing that type of cricket again. Not just turning up 
showing off for 30 minutes and then the rest of the game, we get beat. Well, thank you very much for those thoughts. Thank you very much for being on the paddock and the pavilion. It's certainly not as frightening interviewing you as what it would be like facing you with the, uh, the red ball. And uh, hopefully I'll see you during the season. Well, I'm very thankful for you having me at the paddock. I'm very grateful for this opportunity again to preach to each and everyone in the Suffolk area to please feel free to come and be a part of Newmarket Cricket Club. It's going to be the most fun, the most exciting place to be, like a family affair. You could come and play some good cricket, fun, and it's open for, for men, women, boys and girls, anybody, disability, whatever you got, just come and have a go. Well, thank you very much for that, John. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad. Sports Social Podcast Network.